0: Welcome to the Hope Revolution Messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. The message today, a Christian's most important answer, because the first most important answer always is going to be, what is your answer to Jesus? But the second question is, what do you do after that? Who do you know God to be? because that is the lens that will shape everything in your life. So I wanted to start today with giving you a little bit of a why behind our what. So we decided to do this series on the character and nature of God. We sat down as a leadership and we were like, what's God saying to us as a community? What has he been saying? And we went back over some of the past prophetic words and we started to talk about our young people We started to talk about where perhaps has there been some gaps in our teaching, in our training, in our discipleship as a faith community. And this was an area that we decided was really critical that we haven't really touched on much. We probably have individually but not corporately. And particularly for me, I was very much reminded of the word that Heather brought last year, which was really powerful talking about our young people and talking specifically about intentionally investing in our young people. Therefore, I'm calling current generations of parents, biological and spiritual, to a season of intentional nourishment of the younger generations. (sighs) Gets me. And we want to do that. We want to be obedient to that. And so that was one of the hearts behind this series is we want to intentionally nourish, we want to intentionally build up, we want to intentionally give our younger generation the tools that they need to carry them through the coming seasons. You know, there's such a a battle between heart and mind. We used to say years ago, I actually haven't heard it for a long time, but, you know, the furthest distance is from the head to the heart. All of 18 inches usually, or thereabouts, but it seems to be a long way to move from here to here sometimes. And so today is very much a, a heart message. And whilst it is, the heart behind it primarily has been for our younger people or perhaps those that are a bit younger in their faith. You know, you guys that are in year 12 this year, the next five years, the amount of people you are going to come into contact with is huge. And I know I'm looking at you, you two guys and you're both introverted. I'm telling you regardless of that, the number of communities you're going to touch between high school, potentially university, working, potentially a young adults group, sporting clubs, workplaces, the next five years is, is massive, the journey. And so God's going to bring you in touch with a lot of people and then people that are going to need to hear what's on the inside of you, <laughs> people that need to hear who God is in your world. And so this, for me, is, is very, very close to my heart, something I'm really passionate about because um, it so frames every part of our life. And quite frankly, for me, I wish it was something somebody told me a long, long time ago. <laughs> For those of us that have been around a while, can I tell you it's good for us? We need to be stirred up. We need to be reminded. We need to be refreshed that we need to know this stuff as well and not just know it, but know it. Know it in our hearts. Know it so that it flows out of us easily, readily. Can I tell you that if you struggle to Share the gospel with someone, and please hear my heart when I say that. I'm I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but if that's something you struggle with, can I tell you the step easier to that is bragging on God. Just talk about who he is, who he is to you, and let people be drawn in by the heart of God at work in you. Let me read you this quote. God doesn't need to be explained. He needs to be lauded. Now, I put in the (laughs) definition behind there, highly spoken of. He needs to be proclaimed in worship. He needs people who are going to shout out who he really is and what he's really like. What we think about God is the single most important thing in our spiritual journey. Our image of God will drive every single part of life and declare how we show up in the world. You
1: know, I was 26 The first time I heard God was kind. I'd been
0: in church. My mum was actually baptised when she was heavily pregnant with me. Apparently she was advised against it down at the beach at Aspendale. Too cold, they said. She said, I'm doing
1: it anyway. My whole life in church, 26, before someone told me that God was kind. And so I grew up. being very scared of God. I had no idea who he was.
0: You know, God showed me just this past week as I've been preparing that, you know, I grew up in a family where
1: the most common answer to the question why was because I said so. Yeah? And so my questions about God were answered pretty much the same way. And so
0: I was kind of raised being told what was right, but I really didn't get it. It wasn't in my heart, it didn't take root. I didn't really understand. I believed it with my head, but I didn't
1: know it in my heart. And so at 26, for about a year before the
0: hardest time of my life, God started to teach me this. And it was through this guy, Graham Cook, who back at that time in 2006, I couldn't even spell prophecy. No idea. But this guy who is quite well known in the prophetic and who has an incredible relationship with God began to teach me about who God was really like through his lens of what he had learned in relationship with God. And it radically changed
1: my perspective. And so my heart really is that we
0: learn how to represent God well because it makes such a
1: difference to how we see life. So why is this important? Collectively,
0: life, absolutely. It's because we live in a world where bad things happen. It's just the reality of the place we find ourselves. Our citizenship might be in heaven, but we dwell here for now. And that means that we're surrounded by things that are going to hurt, things that are going to disappoint, things that are going to cause pain. And so we need to know who God is in those moments. We're all on a journey of being changed to be more like Jesus, Jesus, the embodiment, the son of God. And on that journey, if we don't know who God is, his heart for us, his intention, his desire for us to grow, to be more like Jesus. We're going to miss it. It increases our capacity to worship. Now, this was something I never understood. I used, to st- I used to wonder why I struggled in worship. I love worship, but I found it hard. And then when I worked out that once you start
1: to know more about who God is, it becomes easier. Yeah? Yeah. Because I can tell you lots of things about Darren. Lots and lots and lots of things.
0: I won't go there. (laughs) But I can tell you more things about Darren than I can Merrick. Sorry, Merrick. (laughs) Because I know Darren, right? The relationship that we have. I can brag about him because I know him. And so in the place of worship, when you get to know who God is, his character, his nature, not just what he's done. We often start with what he's done, and that's not wrong. But as we get to know who he is and who he is never changes, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So worship becomes easier. And understanding his character and nature makes it easier to follow him. It's just a natural process of trust, right? Right? Because the more you know someone, the easier it is to trust. Now, there is a place for blind faith. And I think we all start there, to be honest, and that's, that's good. And there are times when we get challenged. I so often remember Matt saying, you know, I will, when I don't understand, I will choose you. And there is a time and a place for that. But there's other times when something gets so much deeper in our heart, in our soul, because we understand God's character and nature in it. One of the words on the card was killjoy. Now, I don't know about you, but I think God's often described as a killjoy, particularly in your age group from about 15 to 25. It seems that way. All my friends thought he was a killjoy. But as you get to know him and know his heart, you realise that the rules are because he cares. The rules are because he knows better than we do.
1: They're there to protect us. But we don't necessarily stop and talk about that. <laughs> and
0: his heart in it all, once we know that, once we know that those rules come from a place of care, they don't feel like rules anymore. They totally change because we look through the lens of God's love, we look through a lens of understanding who he is and his heart for us, and everything moves. And following him becomes easier in that particular instance. I'm not going to say always, (laughs) but in that particular instance. Now I want to start with some foundational truths as we get into this. God is God and we are not. Let me be very, very clear. He is the one in control. As much as we like to be, unfortunately, not unfortunately, it's it's good for us that he's in control because he knows so much more than we ever possibly could know. He's not human. We can't, our tiny little, I say this all the time, tiny little brain cannot begin to fathom him, how big he is. He is not human and we can't even begin to try to understand the fullness of who he is. He doesn't owe us an explanation. It's harsh but true. Part of the process of surrendering to him is that he doesn't owe us An explanation. I liked this image. It reminded me a little bit of Lucifer. You know, the idea of wanting to be king, wondering about what it would be like. But the truth is, as I heard someone say recently, we work for him, not the other way
1: around. Another one of my favourites. We're on a need-to-know basis. And if we don't need to know, we don't.
0: Again, it's part of surrender. It's part of acknowledging that he is God, that he knows so much more than we ever possibly could. But
1: out of relationship and out of grace, often he actually shares with us the why. Not always, but often. Now, I want to be really clear that
0: each one of us is on a journey each one of us is at a different place. Some of us are at the place where everything's serene and lovely. Others feel like we're on a very narrow bridge over a very big gorge. I'm sorry, I had one about someone in a cave because I, you know, like, please hear me that I know life can be tough. I know life can be painful. And I don't in any way, shape, or form diminish that because I know what those places are like. They're hard, they're really hard. But him our heart today to say that in those places, God is there. And in those places, there are things he wants to show us. There are things that he wants to.
1: There are things in those times that he teaches us about himself that he can't in any other circumstance. That's the truth. In those deep, dark times, in those times when we
0: wrestle and we struggle with him, in the times when we want to know why and he doesn't tell us. And we draw closer to him and he shares things with us. And then there are other times he just wraps his arms around us
1: and says, just let me hold you. I know this is tough. So in those tough moments, who we know God to be changes the lens that we look through. We see it in so many stories in Scripture
0: Moses not entering the promised land. I'm just pulling a few stories that I'm hoping people will be able to easily connect with. There's so many stories. And I've put the references there. If you want the notes and you want to look them up, come and see me, please. But for the sake of time, <laughs> I tried to pick stuff that people would hopefully, for the most part, be aware of. But, you know, I think, I think about this story, what that must have been for Moses. After leading them out of Egypt leading them in through and around the mountain, around the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain. Like, and to get to this point where he gets to see them go, but he doesn't get to go, that's a tough moment, isn't it? Okay, I, my heart breaks for Moses. I'm like, dang, that must have hurt. It must have been hard. But because of who he knows God to be, he repents, he surrenders, and, he, and, and his lens of who God is and that God is good, um, Means that he doesn't break relationship. He continues on in his relationship with God despite the fact that he doesn't cross over. You know, David, seriously, all of David's life, right? The roller coaster that is David's life. I'm so glad David is in the Bible. I really am. He gives me so much encouragement about stuffing things up, correcting course, stuffing it up, correcting stuffing it up.
1: You get the picture. But this one, So, I'm trying to condense it down. David eyes off a beautiful woman. The
0: beautiful woman is married. David says, I'll send the husband to the front of the battle. Hopefully, he'll get hit. He does get hit. He dies. Now the said woman is free to marry. So, David marries her. They have a... Have a son. And in the midst of that, the prophet Nathan comes to David and they have this exchange. The heart of the exchange is David, you had everything. Why did you have to take this one thing that was precious to this man, to Uriah? And the conversation's done in metaphors, and so David doesn't realise Nathan's actually talking to him about him in that moment. But when David hears of the story, he's so outraged by the injustice that he says, you know, that guy, he should be put to death. And the prophet says to him, you are that guy. And the story shifts drastically. As we move through the story, it becomes clear that God says that you won't die, but your son will as a result of your your sin, of what you've done. And so we see this, this moment of heartache for David where he loves God, but He's behaved badly and God says, this is a consequence of your behaviour and your son's going to die. And we see David praying before the Lord, you know, saying, God, please, if there's any way, save my son. But his son dies. So much so um, his advisors were saying, like, come on, get up, get up off the floor, like, you're embarrassing yourself. But he's like, no, no. And so his son dies. And David's response is to go and to worship God. Because he knew who God was in the midst of the pain and the heartache. He knew that God was good. He knew that God was his God. He knew that he, he had proven himself over time to David who he was. And as soon as he repented, his attitude changed. And can I tell you, like, if you are struggling with something, if you're struggling with putting God into right perspective, if there's something about his heart and his character that's not sitting with you, can I encourage you, take it to the Lord and surrender it to him. Because the process of repentance is the doorway in relationship with God to having that stuff corrected and sorted out. He loves that space. He meets us there so readily. And so he meets David in this place, and David continues on. And as I said with David, it's something of a roller coaster. This is another one. I just, oh, David, the man after God's own heart, the worshiper, the one who is dancing before the Lord, and all of his servants are like, mate, you're embarrassing us. Stop it. He's like, no, can't do it. Got to worship the Lord. That was his heart posture, and then God says to him, because of the amount of blood that you've shed in battle, you're not going to be the one to build my temple, the place of worship.
1: Ugh. That's tough, isn't it? And again, David goes, up, I know, God, who you are. I know what you're saying. I get it.
0: I know that you are good. And he worships God, and he surrenders to God's to God's process. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now the guys, Matt preached on this a while back, but I've got to say it again. You know, these guys were maybe the the age brackets fifteen to twenty. Like these guys are young. These guys in your age, some of you. Um. And the audacity that these guys have, here's what they say in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Because they knew God to be mighty. They knew God to be a deliverer. And they were like, so they find themselves in a foreign land with a king setting up a massive image to himself and he says, bow down and worship. And they say, "Uh uh-uh, we serve the one true God. And he's able to save us if he chooses.
1: If he doesn't, so be it. And lastly, Paul. And again, just over and over and over again,
0: we find Paul in so many different situations where he's just like,
1: what do you do with a guy who's like, live or die? Both are good. Because I know my God and I know
0: that his purposes are being fulfilled and his kingdom is being advanced and whether I'm here or whether I'm there, where he talks about the number of times that he was whipped and the number of times he was beaten and shipwrecked, everything that he physically went through and yet he still knew and hung
1: on to who God was and it didn't sway him. He continued on with what God had asked him to do.
0: You know, each of us have a story in this space of
1: where life gets tough and it's knowing who God is that makes all of the difference.
0: You know, for me, the hardest time in my life, I said before 2004, God started me on a journey. What I didn't know was that it was, less than 12 months before my first marriage ended. I got married at 23, married a guy in full-time ministry, and by the time three and a half years was up, he'd walked away from his faith, he'd walked away from the church and ultimately had an affair with another lady. And so at 26, I found my life in absolute tatters, literally on the floor in the fetal position crying out to God, going, my life is destroyed. I don't know what to do with this, God. And what I found in that moment was he'd been building this inside of me. I didn't even know it at the time, but he'd been building this inside of me so that it wasn't here. If it had been here, I honestly don't know what had happened. If it was just in my head, if it hadn't moved to my heart, I can't honestly tell you I would have got through it
1: because it was living hell. But God had started to show me that he was kind and that he was faithful
0: and that he would be the one that would be there and he would carry me through, no matter what happened, that it wasn't dependent on a man, but it was dependent on him. And he started to show me about his kindness. Again, you know, so many things I look back I had no idea and he gave me the gift of tongues
1: about two months before it happened. So grateful, so grateful because I didn't have words.
0: I couldn't, there's so many times just on the floor bawling my eyes out that I didn't have words, but God had given me this gift that meant that I could still pray,
1: I could still communicate with him. I'm like, how kind is that? How good to keep me close to him and to enable me to, to get through that period of time. I wonder what yours is. Because we've all
0: got, it, got them, right? We've got those hard times. And one of the beautiful things that this series has been doing is drawing out some of those things. Pete got up and shared with incredible vulnerability a few weeks ago about what it means for him to know God as father in the family environment in which he grew up. And God has restored that image of father to him and then established that through his kids and allowed him to be
1: the father that he never had. How cool is that? Because here's the kicker. Most of us know this verse,
0: Romans 8:29, And we know that God causes everything to work
1: together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We get a bit flippant with this one, I've got to say. We kind of trot it out a bit. The context of it, it's a passage on suffering. Romans chapter 8
0: is intense. (laughs) It's not flippant at all. It's heartfelt. It's genuine. And this is the perspective that we need. This is what changes things. One part. Of knowing that God is good and no matter what, He will use things, causes us everything to work together for the good of those that love God. But the definition of good is His definition, not ours.
1: It's not what we want, it's what's good for us. And there's a big difference between those two things. So just coming back to why is it so important, I I wanted to put
0: this in just to contrast because when we don't know who God is, we misunderstand his intention. It's like I was saying before about rules. Do we see them as rules or do we see that he cares for us and so he actually just wants what's best for us and he's given us some boundaries along the way? We misunderstand his actions or dare I say his lack of action often. We want him to move and he seemingly doesn't or at least not in our timing because we're not particularly good at waiting. (laughs) We live in a very drive-through society and we want it and we want it now. Misunderstanding leads to frustration which can lead to anger
1: and ultimately can lead to walking away. That's what happens when we misunderstand God, that it builds up on the inside
0: when we don't have a right perspective of who he is, when we don't look through the right lens, we build up a case against him essentially and it eats us away from the inside. And if we don't deal with it, if we don't correct that lens, ultimately I've seen so many people walk away. This is is where the hurt and wounded come in. I don't, you know, God did this. Why did God allow that? I don't understand. And I get it, I, it's fair, it's hard. My first husband, the trigger for him walking away from his faith was his mum died and it was the beginning of the end for him. It, it just was an unspiraling that he could not forgive God for. He blamed God entirely and it ate him away from the inside out. And I'm sure we have all know people who are being eaten away because their lens is broken. They're looking through that blue one, not the red one. And ultimately, I was trying to find the right language for this one. That we we end up living in a measure of God's plan for our lives and not the fullness. There's something just not quite right. And we don't get to experience the fullness of all that that God has for us. When we don't quite have our Lens on to see him
1: for who he is and knowing that who he is is good. Tough moments when you don't know who God is.
0: I just put up some stories there, same kind of thing. Like this topic is throughout all of scripture, really. It's full of stories about people's experiences with God you know, things where things haven't gone well. And because as humans, things don't go well all the time. We don't live in the perfect world. But I was thinking even right back into the garden, you know, it, with Adam and Eve, didn't really know, like, if they fully knew who God is, if they'd fully trusted him, if they'd known he was so good and right and perfect and he only
1: wanted what was good for them and they trusted that completely, it would have all been so different. Israel, man,
0: right? Do we just look at Israel and like face plant, like, and yet yeah, we do it all the time, right? But Israel, Moses is up the mountain meeting with God, and they're like, hmm, don't think he's coming back anytime soon. We'll just make a golden calf. When they wanted a king, go, uh, seriously, go and read 1 Samuel 8. Samuel tells them as clear as day, What's going to happen if they choose a king? What the king's going to be like? There's nothing good in that passage. Nothing. God had been their king up until now. They had won battles. They had taken land. They chased the Philistines out of the land like it was good. But FOMO got the better of them. They're like, we want to be like other nations. We want a king. And God's like, hello, I'm, I'm a good king. We want a king. We want a man. And they appoint Saul. And yeah, it's not. It doesn't go well. It's not great. It's certainly not God's plan A or best plan. Peter, I always feel for Peter. I love Peter. He's another David to me. Like I, again, just grateful that he's there because I often think I'm feel a bit like Peter. Tend to speak before I think. Sadly, the passion runs away with me and got to backtrack and apologize. All sorts of things. But that moment of denying Jesus fear got the better of him. What might happen to me? His own self got in the way of trusting who God is, what he'd learned, everything he'd learned about Jesus to that point, everything he'd learned about God and to that point. And again, for each of us, we've got stories where we didn't, we didn't do a great job of it. You know, I, I remember as a kid, <laughs> I used to run to my mum's bedside in the middle of the night because I knew if God, I knew if Jesus came back, in the middle of the night, I would wake up scared to death he'd come back. But I knew if my mum was still here, I was okay. (laughs) Because mum was the best person I knew. So, but I can remember like in sneaking to the bedroom door to listen, because I thought God, I was so terrified. And I lived with that, like honestly, through to my 20s. Because of misunderstanding of who God is. And yeah, a lot of the growing up in a really conservative church a lot of the fear based preaching that was just instilled like it was fear that gripped my heart it wasn't love it wasn't relationship it wasn't understanding god as father it wasn't any of those things i came to discover later it was god it was an angry god and he had a big stick you know and he was going to use it and he was going to use it on me even as a 12 11 11 12 year old i'm only going to briefly touch on this one but you know the other one where i've struggled in terms of knowing who God is, is as a woman in church. That one's been tough. Getting a right perspective and understanding who God says I am and that I'm not a second-class being because I'm female and the rightful God-honouring place for a woman in church because I grew up very much believing that if I'd stood here, I'd be smited. And I can tell you the first time I was ever asked to preach as a 20-year-old and crying on the floor in fear of what God was going to do to me if I did that, that was tough. But God took me on a journey of going, "Uh uh-uh, let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you my value for you, my value for women. Um, It's a big topic. There's lots of opinions, but it's something that's been very close and personal to me that I've struggled with and not understood God at all for many, many years. So this is what we've been journeying through, is understanding the character and nature of God and what these things mean. This is the journey we're on so far. There's going to be more added to this list as we go. God is creator. God is emperor. God is power. God is father. God is faithful. Is the beginning of the picture that we're creating. I'm going to just quickly, for the sake of time, add a few more these have been great. Have you enjoyed this? Like, is, have you found it encouraging? Oh my gosh, how good was Sky last week? It was so good to hear her story, to hear, yeah, the way that God's been teaching her over years. For Pete to get up and share as vulnerably as he did was was huge. It was really precious. Um, Sam, I love hearing you talk about your wrestles as a young guy. Because the whole point is, this is about testimonies. Scripture is full of testimonies, testifying to who God is. Every story we share is a testimony of who God is. And we learn from one another. And you know what? When I'm struggling with God as Father, I know I can go to Pete and go, Pete, can I have some of what you've got? You've got this. God has taught you this and taught you it well, and I need some of it right now. Can you pray for me? If it's faithfulness because you're like, God, you said this, but you said this and now this is happening and it doesn't make sense, sky's your lady. Like, this is why we tell stories, this is why we share experiences. One is that God is glorified, absolutely. But it's also that we learn that we be encouraged as a body, as a community. I'm going to quickly give you a couple of mine because I get to. Because, quite frankly, like this is a great opportunity so I had to I cut this list because I had to make it fit on one screen right because this is what happens
1: <laughs>
0: so God is good let, let me declare first and foremost God is good scripture says so so I believe it but can I tell you I've learned it through experience as well that God is good in everything he's not disappointed in me whoa that was a big one he never had any illusions about me. So there's nothing to be disappointed in. Those were the most painful words of my life. I'm disappointed in you. And God took them and he went, nah, not me. That was a beautiful day. He's close to the brokenhearted. Yeah. A lot of times in my life I've like been, sound like such a crybaby, but like, <laughs> you know, I've had a lot of grief in my life in lots of seasons. And, um, I know what it means to be broken hearted and I know what it means to have God there in those moments. He doesn't pull back. He comes close in those moments. He's relational. He loves to be close. i think seen such a beautiful message this morning, Lace, about his presence and being close and what he did to make that happen when he tore that temple curtain, that he made way to come close and be a part of our lives. He's extravagant. Have you read the description of the tabernacle? (laughs) Like, have you read it? It's extravagant. It's elaborate. It's beautiful. He doesn't waste a thing on it. He is over and above. He doesn't, he's not a God of like measure, of drop. Like he is a God of abundance. He's extravagant. Dare I say it's okay if we are too, particularly when it comes to generosity. (laughs) Extravagance is okay in its rightful place. He's passionate. <laughs> Don't cry. Most of, most of my life I've been told to sit down and shut up. I'm a fairly passionate person. You know, I, <laughs> I sat down with the church leaders at the age of 15 after my mum died of cancer <laughs> and I sat down with the church leaders to ask them to please explain. Why the elders didn't come and pray like the scripture says? You know, I, I know I can be, a lot of my life I've been told it's too much. And then God said to me, "Now you're passionate and I'm passionate too. I made you in my image. It's good because he's a passionate God. He's kind. So many things about his kindness I could tell stories of. but um." little tiny practical one that just keeps playing over in my mind over and over again that um, some of you will know that we lost one of my brothers about 18 months ago now. It was a shock. It wasn't expected to happen as such, certainly not when it did. And um, the tiniest little detail that doesn't mean anything to anyone else, but there'd been a, there'd been a sale at one of my favourite clothing shops the week before. And me and shopping, we're not friends, and um, I'd put an order in, You know, and whatever. And this all happened and we're travelling backwards and forwards to Warrnambool and, you know, all sorts of things are happening. And then I was like, oh, crikey, what am I going to wear to the funeral? And God just whispered in my ear, it's okay, I knew. We sorted it out last week and it arrived in two days'
1: time (laughs) because he's kind. He cares about the details. He loves to talk. He talks so much more than we give him credit for so much more than we're prepared to
0: listen, but he loves to talk and he has a special place in his heart for the poor and the marginalised. This is my God. I can tell people about this to the cows come home. I'm not so great, I'm going to be honest, at sharing the gospel with people,
1: but this I can do. This, I, this comes out of who I am, who God is to me. And so... This for me is one of the kickers. It's important for us to know, but others need to know as well.
0: People all around us have a broken lens of who they think God is and we have the ability to correct it. We have the ability to speak truth. We have the ability to go, hey, let me tell you about God. Let me tell you what
1: he's really like. So this morning, I really feel like this is something that we as a community, like, we can
0: all grow in this. Like every single one of us can grow in. I'm, I still need to grow in this more. There is more things about God that he wants to show me, about who he is and who he wants to be, who he wants to be right now in my life and in the circumstances that I'm facing. And the same is true for you. And so I want for us to step into that. Over COVID, like, things were so different, hey. We got very used to sitting in front of a screen. It was hard to engage with one another really deeply, for some of us anyway. It was hard to pray for one another in a personal kind of way. And so this morning, I want for us to step into that and to spend some time praying for each other in this way because we all need an upgrade. That's what I'm calling it this morning, an upgrade. And no one is exempt. Doesn't matter where you are on your journey. Let's move this morning. Let's ask God for where it is that he wants to increase our understanding of him. That our relationship with him would be deeper. That we'd see through that lens of who he really is and who he wants to be. Thank you so much for listening If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.